Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again coming to you with the Word of God. It is always an honor, always a privilege. Praise God. We're so grateful that you're connecting with us. Today, once again, I'm going to jump in the book of Psalms, just do a quick review of what we've been talking about over the last couple weeks. We started a series called God Is. And of course, the first week, we talked about how good God is. Amen. God is good. Praise God and good all the time. Psalms 34 and verse 8, just a quick review here, says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, or blessed is the man who trusts in him. Praise God. Of course, a couple weeks ago, we really kind of dove into that. But this here verse means to perceive and experience that God is good. Amen is what it refers to. Amen. And obviously we should. Amen. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Praise the Lord. Now, the reason I started with God is good is because I feel like everything else kind of comes out of the fact of God's goodness. And you kind of see how they all kind of dovetail uh, pretty much as we get through this series. The next one I talked about was mercy, that God is merciful. And Psalms 136, we'll just use that for a, a quick verse. Of course, we uh, spent quite a bit, we actually spent all of last week talking about mercy, about how merciful God is. Psalms 136 is a great psalm for this, but I'm just going to read the first verse because it pretty much says it all. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, amen, for His mercy endures forever, praise God. And so we talked about mercy, we talked about that loving uh, compassion, that that covenant kindness, amen, and what that means, praise God. And uh, this psalm in itself, 26 times it says that uh, God's mercy endures forever, praise God. Now today, praise God, we're going to just kind of shift gears. I kind of jumped right into it a little quicker today, but mainly because of what I want to get done today. We're going to go into the new covenant. We're going to talk about uh, that God is love, amen. And uh, of course, uh, you, you think that's got to be one we talk, talk about, right? So, uh, so or pardon me, uh, 1 John, we're going to go 1 John and chapter 4. So is where we'll probably spend the majority of our time there. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's pretty aware of the fact that there's no way we can exhaust this subject. Um, there's no way one, one message is going to exhaust this subject, that's for sure. But I wanted to kind of in the light of everything we're talking about, bringing out the character of God, you know, God's personality, His nature, His manners, His way, uh, you know, who He is, amen, uh, each week just trying to bring it out so that we all kind of, you know, in a sense, get done with the message, having a, a greater understanding of really who He is, amen. And that's what I want to do today, talking about God is love, praise God. So let's read through the text, and then we'll kind of come back up here and dive into it. And we'll start with verse 15, chapter 4, verse 15 of 1 John. It just says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. In other words, whoever calls on the Lord, and the world really it's referring to being born again, amen. So those that confess him as Lord, amen, says that God abides in that individual and that individual abides in God or remains or dwells in God. And verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. 
Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Oh, hallelujah. Now, God is love. Uh, you know, common phrase. A lot of times, it, in some ways, it kind of becomes, a, maybe I could say a cliche, uh, maybe a, a catchphrase, a worn expression sometimes. Um, you know, people just, you know, automatically just say, you know, God's love. Um, and they're accurate. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong, but a lot of times um, people don't necessarily have a, an understanding of what it really means, okay? They, you know, out of maybe uh, head knowledge or maybe, uh, you know, maybe based on things that, that they've heard, you know, they look at it and say, God is love, and then, you know, that's kind of where they stand. And so sometimes it becomes this commonplace, this maybe, um, maybe insignificant or something that loses validity, um, you know, because it just gets said and gets said a lot, but yet somebody may not understand really what it means. So my heart is that you understand, you come to understand what it means. All right, with that said, verse 15, or actually let's go to verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides or remains or continues in love, abides, remains or continues in God and God in him. Now, verse 16 starts giving you some, some things that you got to do here. It says that we're going to have to know and believe in that love, okay, in the love that God has. So first off, you're going to have to know love, okay? All right, God is love, okay? This word love is the Greek word agape, okay? Now, agape means uh, a deep affection, means benevolent, uses even words like charity. In fact, a lot of times it's even defined in the Scriptures, the word charity, especially in the, in the old King James. It means self-sacrificial and unconditional love. Okay, now those are key, so hang on to that. So it refers to a deep, uh, sincere emotion moved to action. Now get this, okay, and a, a, a sincere emotion moved to action to give and not take with no strings attached. Hang on to that, okay? Move to action, to give and not take with no strings attached. We're talking about an unconditional love. Now, there's a lot of other words in the Scripture, in the Greek, okay, that uh, are defined in our, you know, in our language as the word love, okay? But they have different, you know, they're different meanings, okay? And we need to know that, okay? So one of them is euros, which we get our word erotic, okay? And it means a sensual, carnal demand. But what you find with it, it's a self-seeking love, okay? So it's a sensual, carnal demand, okay? But it's a self-seeking love. Stergo is another one. So there's euros, and then there's stergo, which means a natural devotion. It also means an appreciation or an admiration, uh, like things like, uh, you know, your love for country, your love for baseball, your love for apple pie, you know, I love my dog, that kind of thing. So it's talking about an appreciation, a devotion or admiration, but usually, again, it's a very limited type of love, okay? It can fluctuate a lot, all right? Then the third one is phileo, okay, which is a more common word used, okay? So there's euros, stergo, and phileo, okay? Now, phileo means an affection, 
or warm friendship. Okay, usually it's based on mutual satisfaction, and of course it's again conditional. Now, with that kind of love is usually a lot of times between friends. Okay, we uh, we have a phileo love for one another. There's this warm friendship for each other. Uh, you know, I that's my friend. I love that in the guy. I love that guy. I love that gal. I love being with them. I love communicating with them. But usually, it's still going to have a conditional type love. Now, let me define some things about what it means to be conditional or not conditional or unconditional, maybe is the word we'll use. Amen. Let's give some understanding of it because if we're going to know love, okay, you first got to understand what, if God is agape, okay, then let's understand what agape is, okay? All right, so the word conditional, okay, all the other loves, okay, euros, stergo, phileo, all of them deal with um, their conditional love which means they're dependent upon or provided upon or based on contingencies. That's what that means to be conditional. So if it's a conditional love, it's dependent on on some contingencies. It's provided upon some contingencies. It's based on some contingencies, okay? In other words, I'm going to love you as long as you're nice to me, okay? But as soon as you, you know, say something mean to me, all of a sudden that changes how much I love you, okay? Or, uh, you know, I, I love this baseball team until they become a real, you know, flop. And all of a sudden now I'm, I'm going to change my affection towards another team. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So you kind of, you know, flip flopper here kind of thing. So it's all conditional. Okay. All right. Even in, in uh, Euros, okay, being a sensual uh, carnal demand, a lot, of the, a lot of that you see throughout the world is just, it's thick. Okay. And all that is, is that it's all conditional. Okay, it's all just meet a physical need, okay? And as long as that physical need is met or, you know, you can move on or or if it ain't being met, you're moving on. So it's always conditional. Now, we got to keep that in mind. All the rest of them are conditional. Now, agape is unconditional, okay? It's unconditional, all right? Which means it's unfailing. It means it has sustained action regardless of the conditions. That's what it means to be unconditional. It's unfailing. It's sustained action regardless of conditions. All right. In other words, it has longevity or duration. Okay. Now, another word sometimes it gets used. I'll just kind of throw this in the mix. Um, and that is word is the word agapeo, which comes out of agape, but it's more of a word about commitment, about dedication, devotion. And that's the word used when, when the word says that we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay? So what that is, that just means that that kind of love that we operate toward God should be, amen, uh, agapeo. In other words, it should be a commitment. So it should have some longevity to it too. Uh, so anyway, that's a whole other sermon there. But all right, so verse 16 again. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, okay? We have known. So we have to know love, okay? If we, uh, let's see, let's back up here in chapter 4, and let's look at verse like 7 and 8, and it just says this, so chapter 4 again, and verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, basically just saying this, if, you, if you're going to walk in this kind of love, if you're going to 
you know, abide in this, if you're going to bear the fruit of this, if you're going to be, you know, a part of this, if you're going to actually walk in this kind of love, it's going to be based on the fact that you know love. So what they're saying here is this, it's hard to walk in love when you don't know love. Now, this could explain a lot of problems we have, you know, across the world, across the world here, uh, even across the church, okay, primarily across the church. The world ain't going to have a clue usually, but, but in the church, we should know love. God is love. We should know love. We should know Him. We should know, you know, agape. We should know what that means. Amen. Now, a lot of the problems that we have in the church, okay, and I'm not here just to point problems. My point is this. A lot of times because we just don't know love. If we knew love, it might solve a few things. Amen. A lot of times we look at God as if, you know, maybe like a parent, okay? We might say, well, you know, uh, my heavenly Father, uh, he loves me like my earthly father may love me or something. Well, your earthly father, probably even at his best, is still going to be somewhat conditional, somewhat. Okay, now, I mean, hopefully it's not too conditional, but the bottom line is even uh, a father at his best isn't probably going to be anywhere near the kind of love that your heavenly father can, can give and is giving, all right? Has given, you could even say, all right? So uh, anyway... Uh, it says here it's based on knowing God. Okay, so what does that mean? Now, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of chipping away at this. Uh, so the word know, okay, to know, what you're seeing there in, in verse 7, verse 8. You're also seeing it up there in verse 16 because this is the key here. First is to know love, okay? So this word implies an intimate knowledge of. It implies an experiential, uh, experimental, no, I'm saying it wrong experiential knowing. There we go. All right. An understanding or an awareness. Okay. Uh, so an experiential knowing, understanding, or an awareness. Okay. But it refers to an intimacy. Okay. An intimate knowledge of. Okay. Which is real key. All right. In fact, um, let's do this. We're, let's go to the gospel. Keep your finger there. We'll come right back. John, the gospel of John in... Chapter 17, and I want to give you a look at this same word to know him, right? To know God, what that means to know love. In verse 3 of John 17, just kind of roll with me here on this. Uh, it says this, and this is eternal life. Now he defines what eternal life is, okay? This is eternal life, okay? which the word eternal life means perpetual, longevity, okay? And really, when you look at eternal life, it's not just about quantity, but it's also about a quality of life. So you got to kind of keep that in mind. This is eternal life, that they may know you. Now, this is Jesus talking to the Father, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is knowing God. And, of course, eternal life begins in when you meet God, right? That's what it should be. So it's talking about knowing Him. That's the key is knowing God. Now, the reason I think it's so worthy of bringing up, in fact, the Amplified says it this way. Uh, it just brings out to perceive, recognize, be, uh, become acquainted with, and to understand. That's what he says when, in the area of to know Him, right? To perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with to understand. Now, the thing I'm trying to bring out is eternal life, okay, is more about a, a relationship. See, it's more about a relation than it is uh, a destination. It's more about a person 
than it is a place. Now, many times, you know, when, when you hear somebody talk about eternal life, they're going to attach heaven to it. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to want you to leave here, uh, you know, or walk away from this message thinking that I'm, you know, saying that's not accurate. It does involve that, but you have to understand that eternal life begins when you get to know Him. Eternal life begins when you meet Him. Okay? So eternal life begins, amen, that perpetual life, that, you know, that, that uh, longevity of life, that, that, uh, uh, that eternal life, amen, begins when you come to know Him. All right? That's where it all begins. And so what you have to understand then that eternal life is more about, really, about Him knowing him now think about how many things can be shifted or changed or how many questions could be answered just by having a revelation of that alone knowing him now everything we're going to get to here in first john in fact let's go back to first john okay this is going to make a lot of sense i'm trying to take a little time through this because of where we're going with this today because god is love all right and and it starts with knowing Love, knowing who love is, knowing what it's about, praise God, knowing what he's about, knowing uh, the manner, the character of love, amen. And when you do that, pretty soon you'll find that it affects every area of your life, all right? So, to know love, all right? Hallelujah. So, uh, let's see here. Let's do, uh, I'll tell you what, I think I told you to go back first, John. Let's do this instead. Let's do... Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Let's do Ephesians. We'll go Ephesians. I'll come back first, John. Hang on. Uh, just hang with me here. First, uh, Ephesians, pardon me. Ephesians chapter 3. I think this would be worthy to bring out right here. Amen. Somewhere along the line, this has got to come out. So let's do it right now. Ephesians 3. And um, uh, let's see. How about like verse uh, 17? Maybe I'll just kind of jump down here in the middle. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I'm in Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Okay, so he's talking about the importance of being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the width, the length, the height. Oh, pardon me, the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Okay, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now we're seeing here, just that alone, if you want to come into the fullness of God, it's going to have to come in uh, also on the heels of understanding love itself, okay? And that's what I want to bring out here. I thought this was a, a good text to show you that, okay? Now, it says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in us, okay? To him be glory in the, ch in, in the church, praise God, by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Now, we all know verse 20, now to him who's able to to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, okay, that to be possible force that works in us. Now, how does that, how does that power begin? How does that stuff all get to begin working in you? Well, to me, it's what he's talking about prior to that, okay? So God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, but it's going to be according to something working in you. Well, what's working in you? Well, how much do you, do you know love? How much do you, you value that love? Now, we're talking about him, okay? How much do you no love. How much do you believe in that love? How much do you lean on that love? How much do you trust in love? How much do you, you know, you got to know the height, the length, the depth, the breadth of this thing, praise God. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in it. Amen. It's not just talking about your love walk as much as it says the love of Christ. It's talking about the love that he has for you. 
because the more that you'll believe in that love, the more you'll be able to, you'll believe in the fact that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Because if you actually had a revelation of the unconditional love that God has for you, you'll know that you'll never be without. You'll know that your needs will always be met. You'll know that your God is more than able and he is willing to do, praise God, for you, praise God. And that's what he's trying to bring out here in Ephesians 3. So again, praise God, just showing you the importance of knowing love, knowing agape, knowing God who is love. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now back to 1 John. All right. 1 John again. Praise God. And uh, verse 16 again. For we have known, I'm in chapter 4, verse 16. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed. Okay, now it's talking about not only knowing it, but we have to believe in it, okay? And I kind of briefly touched on that, but we have to believe in that love. Okay, so let's, uh, let's go back to John again. Hang on here. I'm just kind of letting this thing unfold. John 3, common text, common text. But now let's see it in the light of what we've been talking here. John 3 and 16 just says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, I'm in 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting love. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay, now I'm talking about believing. Okay, okay, and it even goes on, and he who believes in him is not condemned, okay? Now, the point is this, okay? We got to believe in that love. Now, a lot of people will believe in the fact that if I, if I receive him as Lord, I'm heaven bound. So that's a good thing. That is wonderful, praise God. But that love is there 24-7, okay? It's unconditional, okay? Uh, chapter John, I'm in John still, chapter 17 now. Let's go back to chapter 17. I know we were just there a few minutes ago, but let's go again. Now, we'll look at another verse in there. Now, again, this is Jesus praying to the Father, and he said this in verse 23. Again, Jesus talking. He says, I in them, talking about us as, as believers, the, the children of God, I in them and you in me, that, he's talking to the Father now, that they may be made perfect in one, talking about you and me, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty deep right there. What that's talking about is he wants you to have an understanding, or he wants us as children of God to have an understanding that God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. Now, probably you talk to any believer, and they ain't going to have a problem with the fact that God loves Jesus, okay, unconditionally. And they may say doctrinally or because they have head knowledge of the fact that God has loved them, they may say, and God loves us, but yet when it comes right down to it and you start moving forward in the things of God and all of a sudden now the question marks start coming up. What about this? What about that? What about this? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? And then we, we start finding out how much we really do believe in the love that God has for us. And you're going to find that most times it's going to be conditional. We, we think it's conditional. Most of the time we think that, that God isn't going to 
pull through for us because we're not deserving of it or something. And so what happens is, see, we don't really believe in the love that God has for us. Chances are we probably haven't, we probably haven't really got to know love, okay? But you also got to believe in that love that he has for you, all right? And so that's what we're trying to bring out here. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. Now, like I said, most everybody's insight about that verse right there will say, when you receive him as Lord, you get to go to heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's a good thing. But it goes beyond that. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember, everlasting life or that eternal life. Amen. Come to know him. All of a sudden, you're experiencing the kind of life you're called to. You're experiencing the abundant life. You're experiencing the God kind of life. You're experiencing the life that you're called to, praise God. And then it goes on in that, in that same uh, reference there that God ain't here to take life, to destroy life. He's not here to ruin lives. He's here to help you, to, amen, to help your life, to empower your life, to point you in a direction that you can be successful in life, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. All right, back to, um, let's see here. Let's go back to 1 John again. Read it again. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 again. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. All right? For God is love. Amen. And he who abides in love, okay, abides, or pardon me, yeah, he abides in love, abides in God, and God in him. Okay, now most people ain't going to struggle with that. God's within me, amen, hallelujah, God within, hallelujah, we're in him, he's in us, all right? Then he says this in verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So let's define this a little bit. Love has been perfected among us in this, okay, perfected. This word perfected uh, means completed or accomplished, something that's finished uh, or fulfilled. But get this, it means brought to maturity. So love has been brought to a maturity among us in this. In other words, so he's, what he's moving right into in verse 17, he says, now those that have come to know love and those who are coming in to believe in that love are coming into a place of maturity, okay? Because you, you got to know love, and you got to believe in that love, okay? So he's talking about coming into a place of completeness or a place of maturity uh, with that understanding, amen. In fact, the interlinear says it this way. In other words, by this, in other words, verse 17 starts by this, referring to what it said in verse 16, by this, has been perfected love with us. That's how it's worded in the interlinear, okay? That's how it's kind of worded in the Greek there. Has been perfected love with us, okay? By this, in other words, because of what we talked about in verse 16, because of that now, love in us can be perfected or made complete or brought to a place of maturity, all right? Now, hang on, here we go. Love has been perfected among us in this, okay, that we may have boldness. Why do you want love perfected in us? So you can have boldness. So you can have confidence, that word means, okay? So you can have assurance. 
Well, why is that? Well, think about this. Anything you're believing for or moving forward in God, you know, when you believe in that love, when you know love and you believe in that love, you know God's always got your back. You have nothing to fear. Uh, there's nothing to be fearful about. There's nothing to be, uh, you know, have anxiety about. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't, I mean, because you always know God, you know, you know love. And you believe in that love. And because of that, your love then becomes complete. Your love of who you are in you, that love now, that revelation, that insight becomes complete or comes into a place of maturity. All right, hang on. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The day of judgment. What does that mean? Well, the word day here, himera, is the, is the Greek word, which means a full day. It literally means from dusk to dawn. It refers to also a moment of time, a time period, a point of time. Okay, but ref basically it's referring to a short span of time like a day or a moment, okay? So a day of judgment, okay? Now, a lot of times when you speed read that, we're automatically thinking about someday in the sweet by and by, you know, when we stand before the Lord, uh, we're referring, you know, we're going to face our judgment or something. Uh, listen, child of God, that's not really what he's bringing out here. The word judgment, crisis, which is where we get our word crisis, okay? But it means, uh, it means decision, a time of decision. So he says a day of judgment, he's talking about a time of decision, okay? Now the word crisis, okay, and hang on to this, means a juncture, a situation, uh, a serious moment or a critical moment or an urgent hour. Now most of you hear the word crisis, that's what you're thinking of. So what he's talking about is when you come into that moment of decision, when all of a sudden you're faced we're having to make a decision about something. When you've got something in front of you, you have a, you're at a juncture in your life. You're at a moment of time in your life when the pressure's on. That's what he's talking about. Okay, he's talking about here and now. You know, when you get to heaven, you don't have to have a revelation of love because you're going to be staring at love. You need that revelation now. You need to know love now. You need to believe in that love now. Because when you do that, then your love, okay, that with, within you now becomes complete. Okay, you're not going to waver. And then you're going to have boldness. You're going to have confidence that whatever moment of time you're in, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're facing right now, whatever pressure you're dealing with, okay, you now have confidence to face anything because, because why? Well, because the love within you is, is made complete because, you know, you have a revelation of who love is, and you believe in that love. And because you believe in that love, you know God has got your back. You're not going to waver. You're not going to back down. Amen. Because in that moment of, of crisis, that moment of decision, amen, you know, praise God, everything's going to be all right. That's like back in Ephesians 3, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, according to the power of, that's at work within you. How much of this are you going to believe in? Amen. How much of it is alive in you? What kind of revelation do you have about who God is? Amen. That God is love. See, if you waver on that, you're going to waver at your time of decision making. In fact, I wrote some things down. You know, 
what it's talking about here is the degree of confidence that we have in love determines the degree of confidence that we'll walk in love or walk in whatever we're dealing with. Now, when you look at this thing, what it refers to in this verse 17, he says this, and if we lack confidence in love, then we're going to lack confidence in the day of decision. Now, listen, I just said that, but let's listen. If we lack confidence in the day of decision, then we're going to decide, we're going to make decisions based on an individual who has no confidence. Now, you think about how that's going to change things. If we lack confidence in decision-making, then our decisions are all going to be fear-based decisions. In other words, you're going, to, you're going to start making decisions based on fear, based on worry, based on anxiety, based on the pressure at hand, based on uh, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the lie of the enemy, uh, the, uh, some kind of deception that's going on, uh, based on the evil report. We can go kind of on and on and on. And you are not called to make your decisions based on that. You're called to make your decisions based on love, who you know, and who you believe in. But see, if that's not alive in you, then at your moment of pressure, you're going to cave and you're going to make your decision based on something of this earthly realm, something based out of fear, worry, and anxiety instead of making your decision based on love himself. And that's where the problem comes. Because here you're facing something, and somehow or another we forget the fact that God has our back. We forget the fact that God is in love with you unconditionally. But see, if you don't know love, then what happens is you start looking at your life and say, well, I probably deserve this anyway, or, you know, I thought God was gonna, or I wish God would, or whatever. You start having all these crazy question marks that come up, that should never even be there. Because as a child of God, hallelujah, you know love and you believe in that love that he has for you. And as a result of it, you're going to have confidence. You're going to have assurance. You're going to have boldness. That in whatever moment of time, whatever day that you're dealing with, whatever it is, you're going to know God has my back. You're not going to waver. You're not going to cave. You're not going to give up. And then the tail end of this verse 17, it says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, if you, if you look this up, the word he is not even in the text, okay? Um, and, and I know a lot of times that phrase gets used, and, and a lot of times the way they use it, I'm not saying it's wrong, but, but the bottom line, it doesn't say that because as he is, it says because as that is, or as this is, is what it is. In fact, even in the interlinear it says that as that is. And it's talking about the confidence in love. To the degree that you have that confidence in love is what he's talking about. So are you going to be in this world. In other words, how you live this life and conduct life is going to be based on the level of how much of that love, how much of this is alive in you, how much is working in you. As he said in the beginning of that verse, how much of it's perfected in you or brought, brought to a place of maturity in you. Oh, I hope you're hearing this, child of God. Oh, hallelujah. And then verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. See, you don't have to cower to anything else because there's no fear in love. See, we're talking about a love that's brought to maturity. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. There's that mature love again, that, that love that's complete, that understanding of the fact that you know love and believe in that love. Because that's complete, you have confidence, you have assurance, and there's no place for fear now. 
Fear has no place in that. Oh, I love this verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. In fact, that word uh, means punishment or harassment, anguish, distress, agitation, annoyance. Well, man, nobody wants that mess, okay? And it says fear involves torment. Now, there's no, there's no room for fear in our lives. And to the, to the degree that you believe in love, that you know love and believe in that love, determines the degree of how much confidence and assurance you're going to walk in, which determines the fact whether fear is going to leave or whether fear is going to have a place. Now, a lot of people have said, you know, well, it's okay to have a little bit of fear. No, I, how do you manage torment? You know, you, how do you, how, what do you do with that, okay? You don't let any kind of torment in. In fact, I think uh, uh, Romans 8 says it this way. It just says that uh, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So he's saying that fear is bondage. Here it says fear is torment. Romans 8 says fear is bondage. So the point is this. You don't want any kind of fear in your life. Okay? You don't want worry, anxiety, torment, insecurity, all that's labeled under that word fear, which is the Greek word phobos, okay? We get our word phobia, okay? But the bottom line is, he says this, that if love is perfected in you, it has no room for fear, no place for fear. That means all your decision-making is going to be based on the fact that you know love and you believe in that love. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of the body of Christ misses out on a lot of breakthroughs and miracles in their life because of this very thing we're talking about. Because they've based most of their decision-making based on fear because of whatever's going on, because fear involves torment. Fear involves bondage. All right? But God has not given you a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says. But He's given you a spirit of, of power and love and of a sound mind, praise God. He's not given you a spirit of fear. In fact, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it starts describing what love is. Amen. Defining love in a sense. And, but it goes on and says, and love never fails. See, when love's on the scene, you know, when there's a revelation of love, who love is and what love, uh, you know, uh, believing in that love, pardon me, amen, love never fails. You don't have to be, you know, basing your decision-making based on, you know, this thing that's staring you in the face. Instead, you're looking at God saying, God's my source. Amen. Because love would never let me down. God's my answer because love had never let me down. Amen. God's my healer because love had never let me down. Amen. Hallelujah. God's my deliverer because love had never let me down. And I believe in that love. Praise God. Now listen, God is love. God is love. Amen. No love. And believe in that love. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me real quick before I let you go here. I want to just touch on this thing about fear, okay? One of the problems with fear, okay, is fear has a tendency uh, to keep us focused on self, all right? Now, just hang on to that, okay? Because that's the problem with fear. Because now, what about me? What's going to happen to me, okay? It becomes this uh, self-conscious, self-protection, things like even self-pity, selfishness. All that's going to be based on the fact of it's all out of fear, and you're sitting here looking at you, what's going to happen to me? Now, just think about that for a minute. That's what fear is. Okay, now, if you really knew love, 
and you really believed in that love that he has for you, you'd never let that mess in. It would never dictate because you always know God has your back. God is good. God is merciful. And God is love. Praise God. I hope you got something today, child of God. Father, I just give you praise and glory once again. I'm so thankful for a people of God that had an ear to hear, a heart to receive. Father, I just thank you for just, even if just remotely we could have just got a little glimpse of this. Hallelujah. Working in us, praise God. I believe, Lord God, it'll work great things in the lives of this people. And I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.